Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hello, everyone. David Hardwick and Mark Evans having a cappuccino together as they negotiate his deal to become the new coach of the Suns. Um, my name is Ashley Brown and this is your Wednesday night Hawks Insiders X Spaces, I think we're now calling it, um, given that Twitter is no more and X is it. Um, and for the next little while, we're going to look at all things football through the most important lens that counts one brown and one gold eye each. Um, good to have you with us. Um, hello to my co-hosts, as always, joining us, Andrew Weiss. Hello. G'day, Ash. I just wonder if uh, it being retro round this week, we should just we should have just stuck with the Twitter space. Or we could have just gone to a payphone around the corner and uh, started the party line. Uh, Quite a few options. Not good to be here. It'll be good to uh, put the St Kilda lost to bed and look ahead to the big game against the Pies this weekend. Uh, good to have you here. Hello, Darren Levine. Buongiorno, Ash. How are you? I'm very well. Intrigued by this story um, with uh, Dougie Evans flying over to Italy to meet with David Hart sounds to me as though uh, you wouldn't fly over there in uh, hoping to get the deal done, would you? You would fly over there thinking they're, they're pretty much just going to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's, don't you think? And that um, yeah, pretty smart move, really, because it means Hardwick will come back to Australia at the end of August, start the job September, and get a head start for, for New Coast to start at his club in early September. Is actually a pretty good head start, so I think that deal looks like it will be done. And uh, Brad Klebanski, hello. Hello all. Yes, Damien Hardwick will be the new coach of the Gold Coast Suns on a five-year deal, which is great news for the club. Our mate Caroline was on the money. So, yeah, that'll be announced, obviously, in the next couple of days, you'd think. And, um, yeah, I reckon it's good for the club. Uh, They needed a new coach, and I reckon Hardwick will be a great acquisition for the Suns. Yeah, I think uh, it's not really – we don't want to embark – Talk too much about it here, although they're both great Hawthorne men being key figures in the 2008 flag. So they certainly do have an allegiance and ties to Hawthorne. Um, who knows? Could be Mark Evans' last act before he comes back to be chief executive of Hawthorne. He, uh, I'm sure he's been standard out for the role. Whether he's interested or not, he's probably doubtful now that he's going to be guiding Hardwick through the hoops there. But uh, his name has been suggested. Apparently, um Apparently, Suns Insiders is absolutely going off. There's two people in that space just <laughs> chatting amongst themselves. It's, it's pumping. Well, that's right. Uh, cheer out to our, all our friends on the Gold Coast. No, we're here to talk all things Hawthorne. As always, your input and feedback is welcome. Uh, make a request to speak or send us through a, a question through the through the uh, the uh, space, and uh, we will. And David Durant, we've actually got a pretty clear slate tonight. Um, it's actually been a fairly quiet, um, quiet period for the Hawthorne Footy Club with not a whole lot happening. So uh, more time to hear from everybody out there. Um, thanks, everyone, as always, for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. 
we will start, as always, by putting the final bow on a... Uh, well, I think it was a funny afternoon at uh, Marvel Stadium. The first, to be uh, to make a confession, the first game in Victoria that I actually did not get to and watch live this year. But a funny old game. When the Hawks actually got their structure right, Andrew Wilson actually started to try. They were the better team for the most part, but they left their run too late. Yeah, no doubt. And I think we outscored outscored the Saints for the final three quarters of the game. Um, yeah, the, I, I mean, obviously conceding nine goals in the first quarter, you're always going to be up against it. Uh, I think a few people have noted that, uh, fortunately, we'd already kicked sort of three, I think it was three goals to one. So they ended up, up going in that the rest of that first quarter on an eight-goal spree. And, um, yeah, you know, I think, I guess, like the Port Adelaide game, that's really disappointing. But for a young developing group, you just want to see a whole host of um, positives to come out of it. Uh, the last quarter wasn't that, but the second and third certainly were. So it was a strange kind of day. But again, a- another sort of game that in two or three years' time, uh, if you left with that happening, you'd be extremely disappointed putting that sort of perspective lens on it. It was Hawthorne 49-93 to St Kilda, 19 goals, 8 one hundred and twenty-two. Luke Bruce kicked an equal career best six goals uh, to be Hawthorne's sort of probably best player on the day. I think who else played well? Will Day played well. Chad Wingard actually played quite well. Um, Lloyd Meek is interesting. Played well in the ruck. We thought a lot of people think um, the fact that he played well around the ground shouldn't mean he's a walk-up start for the game against Collingwood on Saturday, thinking that most important thing are hit-outs and that Ned Reeves will always give Hawthorne advantage with hit-outs, therefore he should be Hawthorne's first-choice ruckman. That's a view I've seen expressed elsewhere, but um, what do you think about that, Darren? Who's Hawthorne's first-choice ruckman as it stands right now? Well, I think it's a bit of a horses for courses approach with Ruckman at the moment. And I agree that I think if we want to get some, some center dominance, and, you know, some, some uh, nice tap work, then it's Reeves. And if we want someone that can do a bit more around the ground, then it's Meek. And it's, it's good to have those options. Kind of wish they were just sandwiched together as a player and could, could do both and be a, be a, you know, a, a Max Gorn type for us. But, yeah, I think I think it is horses for courses until we find that Ruckman who can do both. Um, you know, Meek deserves to hold his spot. I thought he was terrific against Marshall, and um, you know, he he really got around the ground really well and, and and gave us a presence. So he he deserves to hold his spot, but it'll just depend on um, you know how Sam Mitchell tackles as it tackles this game strategically. Brad, who's Hawthorne's number one Ruckman as we speak? Uh, I agree with Daz, but. Unfortunately, as we've seen from team selection, most notably probably in the last four or five weeks, Sam Mitchell's selection, team selection, to be honest, has been horrendous. So I think Meek will get dropped for Reeves. I think Mitchell prefers Reeves in the ruck. I don't think Meek deserves to be dropped. I'd play him over Reeves. I think he's a better ruckman. Uh, Overall, Reeves is a better tap uh, ruckman. But as we've discussed numerous times, once the ball is out of the centre, 
Ned, we basically play with one player down. So I'd be going with Meek. I think Reeves will come in because I think Mitchell rates him as the better Ruckman. And Mitchell's team selection, once again, as we saw on the weekend, selecting James Blank as the sub, then subbing Seamus Mitchell off only halfway through. I think Mitchell came off even before half time to bring on James Blank, who actually played really well. James Blank, um, I thought, was one of our better players on the day. But it, the last four or five weeks, the choice of subs just been deplo- just has just been wrong. And a lot of the team selection's been wrong. So hopefully uh, this week, you know, we see a change up. It, you know, we're coming up against Collingwood, who've just come off a loss. So I think Saturday is going to be a long day at the footy, unfortunately, for the young Hawks. Uh, yeah, I, well, we'll talk about the game later on. We'll, we'll preview the Collingwood game later on the spaces. I'm not quite as pessimistic as you about Saturday, but I think it's a fascinating day at the footy. Um, now, when I was at school, when we learnt uh, debating, you had to learn to uh, you had to learn to sometimes to articulate uncomfortable positions. Therefore, Brad, it's with great pleasure that I ask you to tell us what else what the positives out of uh, the security game. Well, you already touched on it. Obviously, Bruce kicking six goals, Chad kicked two, and I think had twenty six touches, which was great. Uh, I thought the midfield really lifted after Sam Spray at quarter time. That was great uh, to see. Um, it's really good to see how much Sam cares and how you know passionate he is because, as you mentioned earlier, that first quarter after Mitch Lewis missed a goal from 20 metres out directly in front of us, sent a message in the group, watch St Kilda go down and kick a goal straight away because that happens every week, whether it's Bruce or Lewis or uh, whoever missing easy goals and then the opposition go down and kick a goal and they get a run on. Um, I thought, unfortunately, the younger players looked really, really tired. So there wasn't too many positives from the younger lot. As you mentioned, Daz, Meek was really good in the ruck. 46 hit-outs against uh, Marshall's a really positive uh, effort and performance from Meek, who was uh, one out. As I mentioned, James Blank, I thought, played pretty well uh, when he came on. Uh, but it was the older players, predominantly, obviously, in Wingard and Bruce in the forward line. Um, Jai had a pretty solid you know, second and third quarter, which was good to see. Uh, but other than that, yeah, as uh, Weesey touched on, it was good to see a bit of a bounce back. But overall, I just I didn't think there were too many positives out of that game. Um, Weesey, the negatives. Uh, well, I'll tell you, for Brad supposedly doing the positives, he did a pretty good job of talking through a lot of the negatives. Um I mentioned the nine the nine goal uh, first term to the Saints. That was that was pretty poor. Um, one of the other things I had, as Brad mentioned, um, there there are clearly moments um, where there are two goal turnarounds. It happens to us all the time. More often than not, they're from shots at goal. And um, there was the Bruce miss. I think there was the Mitch Lewis miss easy set shots that you'd note note them down to kick them every day of the week and almost untouched from the kick-ins resulted in St Kilda goals. Um, The Sam Frost incident, obviously, um, turning that over um, and being a significant point in the game that that led to a bit of a slide and and then not being able to arrest the slides is a bit of a negative um, a couple of the others, I guess, would be, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily want to single out individuals, but 
Lockie Bramble. Um, Lockie Bramble's game for me was extraordinarily poor. I think we said um, in the player pod, Ash, I think to halftime he had 13 touches for eight turnovers, four or five clangers at 38% disposal efficiency and then ended up with two more touches for the game. So that was poor. And then, as again, as Brad mentioned, the, the whole selection around um, James Blank starting as a sub, uh, which then actually meant that Sis was playing in a, a one-on-one role early um, as opposed to the role that Sorim smashed the Saints when we played them earlier in the year. Um, yeah, that the strategic thinking around our game plan and selection was really, really poor. So that was the other major negative for me. Yeah, I was often I'm disappointed with uh, Sam Mitchell um, and what he's done as coach of the footy club, but I was actually disappointed with selection this week as well. I just It just cried out. As soon as we sort of deduced that um, Blank was the sub, it didn't quite work out. It, did, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, a lot of candidates to being the sub. I think it works best for Hawthorne, Brad, and or Darren, I'll put it to you that Hawthorne's best use of the sub is if it's an experienced player coming on. And, you know, we, we don't see a great future for players such as Harry Morrison, but he shapes the sort of player, I think, in the current Hawthorne setup who, who would be the ideal sub. Yeah, it depends what your objective is, Ash. And I think... And, you know, I said it a few weeks ago that Sam is, we're just going to see a lot of weird, weird experimental sides. And he's not, he's not, he's not looking now to, you know, obviously I think winning is important and he knows that culturally, uh, how important it is. You could see how passionate he was in his, you know, when he gave the players a quarter time bake. But I think he's, he's trying things in game. And I think having people like Blank on the bench can just transform the way a side's playing in-game. So it makes sense to have an experienced player or someone dynamic coming off the bench if you're, if you're going for a game, if you're going to actually win the game. But if you're trying to experiment and see what combinations work, then I can maybe see the logic in it. Um, another positive we should have mentioned was Brandon Ryan coming in um, yeah. his first game. Brad? Oh, that's what I was going to mention. Um, I left out Brandon Ryan from the first quarter took a really good mark, missed the shot on goal, but it was good to see him kick a goal. He took five marks, had eight possessions, tied in the second half, but I thought he showed enough uh, definitely to play again, and I'd, it'd be good to see him probably for the last you know four weeks of the season. Uh, I think he's only on a six-month contract, so he needs to be given a block of games, at least another two or three games, just to show he's got something there. He's going to find it really hard this week against uh, Collingwood, but you know, and then Melbourne obviously coming up as well. But, you know, we've got the Bulldogs and Tassie. We still play Frio at the MCG. I think Ryan needs to play out uh, the rest of the season because we don't really have much depth in the key position forward stakes. I'm aware DGB kicked five for Box Hill on the weekend, but I wouldn't be playing him as a forward. Um, if DGB plays for us, he needs to play as a defender, not as a forward. So I'd keep Ryan in the side to play alongside uh, Lewis. I thought with Ryan, and again, I didn't watch the entire game. I didn't watch parts of all that closely. But it looks to me that Ryan, he's got some ability. Um, and as I mentioned in our recap article, the stories are now emerging of how many clubs are actually really keen on him, that he, he's, he's, his stocks rose dramatically in the VFL this year. 
and the Hawks did really well to get him because there's no way knowing he wouldn't he would have blasted to Hawthorne's second pick in the mid season draft. He's got uh, he's got traits that clubs like, but there was no chemistry with you whatsoever between Ryan and the rest of the team. Really, was there? There wasn't, and that's somewhat excusable. Necessarily, but it's just no watching him play. They no, they didn't know where the ball was going to go half the time when he kicked it. No, that's right. I think. Do, do you know what? I think the positive out of that, though, for me, was that um, actually there were a number of times that Mitch Lewis looked miles out of position and not even in the contest, and, and it resulted in an uncontested march to St Kilda. There were two or three occasions where the same thing happened with Ryan. He was horribly out of position but still managed to get back and get his hand on the ball or get his palm into a contest to force it to ground. And, uh, I mean, that was a positive despite the fact that I agree completely. The chemistry just wasn't necessarily there. But I think, you know, we saw enough to suggest that he's going to play the next few games and, and we'll see how that evolves over over that period. Daz, has uh, Cosy played his last game for Hawthorne? Oh, of course that question goes to me. Um, <laughs> well yeah, deserved. Look, I, I, well I, deserved. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I got a good close look at Cosie on the weekend uh, playing playing for Box Hill. And I think he's still young and has upside. And I think, I think you know, saying that Ryan is the answer to our forward issues after a very promising game is... Um, is pretty short-sighted, so I think those two may battle for that for that position, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Cosy one more time this year. I also still feel like we could get some use out of Cosy in the back line. It would feel like a waste of you know three or four years of development to just give on a give um, up on him at this point. He's, he's got a lot of physical ap- attributes and, um, and and the and the build that will help that kind of holds up at AFL level. I'll get you to talk about Box Hill shortly. Um, I want to sort of focus on the thoughts coming to my mind. So the game day experience, as I said, I wasn't there, but 22,000 fans on a Sunday afternoon for a home game at Marvel against a team that's a Marvel tenant club. The figures pretty much speak for themselves. Hawthorne supporters don't like going there. I think we're stuck with that um, arrangement. Um, And we are, look, we are... uh, it's going to be one home game. For as long as Hawthorne's MCG club, they'll be made to play one game at Marvel and there's not much you can do to escape it. However, it's it's clear to me that, and I've, we've spoken a few times about this, Hawthorne's post-Tasmania strategy. It's now looking increasingly likely, um, don't you think, we see that Cairns might be the place Hawthorne has identified as its new home away from home. The ASLW had a training camp there. They're playing... Uh, a, a premiership season game there. There's no AFL men's content up there now because St Kilda have pretty much bailed on it. Um, Gold Coast have, have chosen Darwin as a secondary market instead. Do you think Cairns is a place that Hawthorne should perhaps be looking at to establish some roots down the track once the Tasmanian contract's over? It's a good question. I, I'm not so sure about whether it's Cairns specifically. Uh, conditions for footy are very, very different to conditions in Melbourne. And I guess that's one of the things with 
Tassie through winter, you know, the condition, playing conditions from a temperature point of view are fairly similar. Uh, what is clear is they're going to start looking for somewhere and a place that they can call their own. Uh, what was interesting for me, you talk about those figures at Marvel. Actually, we've got an example the week before where, or, where we've just played North Melbourne there. And they've got significantly more against North Melbourne, who we know what what myself and plenty of people in this group think about North Melbourne. They obviously have a pretty small membership base like the Saints, but St Kilda are fifth on the ladder, right? Like they're right in the thick of it. And you would expect if, uh, unless North supporters are potentially just expecting... Uh, that it's possibly one of their one more wins for the season, so came out in, in in higher numbers. But you would expect, regardless of whose home games they were, that you would get significantly more people at the Hawks Saints than you would at Hawthorne North. And clearly, members voted with their feet and just didn't turn up. It'll be fascinating this week. Um, I was reading one of the message boards, apparently... And someone, if people out there have got this email, please jump on or put a message in to let us know that Hawthorne members were advised this week that they couldn't just rock up with general, that there'd be no seats available just on general admission to turn up, that they had to book a seat, probably not pay for it necessarily, but they had to actually reserve a seat for a game, which suggests there's going to be a really big crowd there on uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon. And Collingwood fans are going to the footy in such large numbers at the moment. I'm thinking whether permitting guys, and there might be upwards of sixty to 70,000 people there. It might be the, it would be the closest thing Cawthorn's had to a final, I think, for uh, it might even be bigger than the Carlton game, which is also a pretty big crowd, but it's shaping as a really big crowd on Saturday for, for the Hawthorne home game. Yeah, Josh saying in the comments that only level four seats are available at the moment, so uh, I think I left booking too late, unfortunately. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a crack tonight. Try on, Daz, that. try on uh, Ticket Blaster. They might have some seats available for you. Our friends, our, oh. look, our, our friends at Ticket Blaster. So uh, uh, seamless, we see. That was very good. Incredible. Well, they knew Daz. Um, you always come sit in the MCC with me, Daz. Forty-five bucks for a guest pass. I'd love to have you sitting with the uh, get move away from the ferals and come sit with your with your kindreds of the MCC members. So the invitation's always there. Just got to wear taking you up on that. Do you have thanks, a shirt so. with a collar? Do you actually own one? Oh, do you, do you just wear? Geez, uh, I might have to hit up Tarot Cash tomorrow yeah, night. You just um, wear old band t-shirts. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to hit up uh, Roger David. Is that still open? Yeah, Roger David's still game. Uh, you're always welcome to come sit with me, the MCC. Daz would love to have you sit with us there. So that pretty much puts a bow on that game. Daz, while you're there, and Mick wants to get online, I want to get Mick on very shortly. Daz. Um, you, you, you can give us the VFL report for the week because you actually saw the game in the flesh. Yeah, I saw two quarters of the game. Um, uh, head down, it was a. I was pumping at Box Hill City Oval. Uh, for, it was a family day uh, against Sandringham. Uh, left for the last quarter and we absolutely put them away. Um, it was a pretty close game up to that point. Uh, scrimmers, scrimmers was uh, the real standout. Um, it was awesome to see him go back and, and do all the right things and work really hard to to earn a recall. Um, Ned Long had another great game. It's just it's a shame he's he's kind of in that footy purgatory at the moment, um, just just not being able, not really having a place. 
um, in, 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 at Hawthorne and, and dominating at Box Hill. Harry Morrison, too, seems really on the outer at the moment, but he's, he's doing all the right things at Box Hill. Emerson Jekka is an interesting one because you, you kind of watch, he's, he's a smooth mover and you watch him up close and, you know, is, is he going to be a play that they discard at the end of the year? It looks like he's, he's really fighting hard for, for his footy future. Um, and, there's, yeah, there's just so many great signs um, at Box Hill. So many players knocking on the door. There's, you know, Jai Sarong keeps going on in his merry way. You know, and obviously DGB, I, he, he really responded well, kicked five goals. And there was a wrestle in the, in the second quarter that I think really spurred him on. Uh, he was having a pretty quiet game until then. And then just from there, he was, he was, um, he was uh, the, the, most, uh, the most dominant forward on the ground after that. So, yeah, lots, lot, lots of great stuff. And, yeah, it was, it was a really great day of the footy there, there at uh, Box Hill City Oval. You talk about purgatory, and they've got a few like that. I mean... Morrison's probably too good for VFL, not quite dominant AFL level. Um, Scrimshaw, well, he, he should be too good for the VFL, and jury's out whether he's got that sort of that mongrel, that hard edge that you need to be a really good player in the AFL. Um, so he, he's in that boat as well. Ned Long is veering dangerously towards being too good for VFL, not quite up to AFL level. So they've got a few like it. You don't want to have too many players like that on your list. So that is something that they're going to have to uh, monitor very closely at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and you, you know, you look at Cooper Stevens, who is probably not having the, the year that he wanted, just playing, uh, he hasn't got a game game yet at Hawthorne. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, it, he, there's, there's so many players that are ahead of him at, at Hawthorne that it's hard to figure out where he, he would play um, if, he, if, he got, if he got the call up. All right, um, Mick. Good evening. Good to have you with us once again. Go, oh, yes, guys. I was just going back to the the Ryan discussion before. I think the one that might be in the gun is, um, well, there's a group of them really. You know, Cosy, Sarong, Jekka, um, and probably the one most in the gun is uh, Fergus Green. So I just don't think he has a he has an unfortunate um, skill set that would provide a point of difference to those other three. Just on Sarong, it was interesting. He took memory on Saturday at Box Hill and they didn't give Scrimshaw or Jekker that responsibility. Um, so you know, looking at his play, what up till since the bye from half back in, at Box Hill. So they look to be grooming him for that position. Um, so you, you would be hoping he gets a go um, because, you know, I think that's what the last month's going to be, giving people a go. I think Bramble got his shot on Saturday, um, didn't make the most of it. So where that leaves him at the end of the year would be up to others to decide. Um, yeah, but it, it will be interesting. But Ryan showed, you know, he's got some footy smarts. But again, 25 years of age, how quickly he develops. His goal-kicking structure or technique is terribly different to his field-kicking. His field-kicking is quite sharp, um, but his goal-kicking... Yeah, you know, he's looked all over the shop. Um, but yeah, it was interesting Saturday. No, yeah. Sunday rather. Yeah. Yeah. The other final Sunday was. Sorry, going Nash. No, I was just say like, Fergus Green. I mean, he had to really come in. He, he had to had to break the door down. They had had to make it too hard for the selectors not to pick him. And I don't think he's shown that this year. So he's a a nice footballer. But I don't think he's anyone. He, he'll be anyone's long term thinking. So. Whether he plays or not next year, I don't know for, for Hawthorne, but I, he, I don't think he's proved to be the answer. Mm. 
I think as well, I I was just going to say further to, you know, Daz mentioned earlier with Ryan, uh, I I don't think anyone's sort of getting ahead of themselves after one game, but, you know, what is he, 26? Um, His body, uh, you know, you wonder how much bulking up he can do as a mature age already on his body. So what sort of physical presence is he going to be able to have next to Mitch Lewis as that second forward and in a shorter um, time frame to to work that around? So I think it's still very much in the experimentation phase and don't think anyone's got him penned in by any means as, you know, the saviour that we wanted Cozzy to be. Yeah, I agree. The other one was Cooper Stevens became the emergency sub too, even after playing a full game uh, at Box Hill. Admittedly, his first half was pretty quiet. His last quarter, the last quarter is really dominant in the game. Um, but I think that, you know, whether that's an indication, I don't know. Because you know, again, trying to get another midfielder into that side um, and the way Cam McKenzie sort of didn't jump the gap, so to speak, again. And that's not a criticism of him, just the pace of the game and the way it played out, just didn't get that opportunity. Um, and then when they were forced to put Nash out on the wing, again, created limited opportunities for the others. And it was a bit of a mess Sunday, to be honest, I think, in terms of development. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of my theory, Mick, that um, Mitchell's going to pick his best team and try and set them up, not that he's likely to, but set the team as best up he can to beat Collingwood on Saturday, and then the last three weeks will be pure experimentation? Well, uh, Thursday night, we'll know. I think Ash will be what you know what twenty two puts out. Well, you know, um, I think that's a, you know that'll be very interesting. Because I, I I live near the ground, so I walked past on Tuesday. Tuesday they didn't train at all, so I presume I might have, not tr- didn't train. They weren't they didn't have a session on the ground. They must have done a running session very early. Um, so with that, some marble legs and you know getting the hard ground. I think so they, were off on, they were off on Monday because Jade's sister's playing golf for the mate of mine. So I don't yeah, think no, Tuesday, Monday. Yeah, Tuesday, yeah, Monday, I think Tuesday, Tuesday's the day they normally train on a Saturday game, which they've got. So it'd be normally Tuesday, Saturday. When I got there, Colo was just walking off with Henry Husswaite. Um, so he must have done a little bit extra, I think, at the end. It's not unusual that they might do a, a light running session, say, 9 o'clock-ish. Normally it's 10 o'clock on the on the two days that they train the main sessions on the ground. Um, so it'd be, it might be an interesting watch tomorrow to see what happens. Um, Hushweight's the one who's probably done himself out a little bit with his injury too, I've got to say. Yeah, I don't think Hushweight gets, gets a game now. The way, and the two, three players that I think they'll be keen to have a look at for the end of the season is I think they want to get Stevens in for a game. Um, and I think, they'll, I think they'd like to try and find a way to play Sarong as a defender to see how, see how that's gone. Maybe... He gets to run before the end of the season as a as to see how you know he's made good progress as a defender and to see yeah. uh, see how he goes. They're the, they're the two in particular, I reckon. But they, I mean, they've looked at Bailey McDonald. You know, he'll, he'll he's a keeper for next year. You know, another preseason he'll he'll be fine. But uh, they're the two I think they'd like to try and find a, a role for for the end of the season. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, there's just gut gut instinct more than anything else. Jack is the other one where they give him a last chance. You know, because he does. He's a great athlete great football athlete um, and he kicks the ball really well both feet so um, again being out of contract where he ends up it'll be an interesting watch 
Well, he's, he's by, probably Jack with his body's um, his body's letting down. Now, do you live near the ground because you chose to live near the Hawthorne Football Club because you love the club so much, or just by happenstance they moved into oh, the area? Con- <laughs> convenience. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually it was just convenient. I was actually working on the Mornington Peninsula, so I needed and so I played. You know, my my life was up towards the city, so I had to find somewhere in between. So it just blew out to be convenient. And then, uh, yeah, so out, it is. Out, so at it is, Wavell, yeah. out at Wavell, out at Wavell Estate, though. Okay. Yeah, Millis Hill. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mick, terrific. Thank you. Good to hear from you. If you want to, anything else you want to add uh, over the rest of the space tonight, feel free just to butt in. Your, your contributions, as always, are most welcome. Um, we had a message from someone here saying that Ross Stevenson is saying that Hawthorne has found a CEO from another club to be the new CEO. I've reached out to a source who said uh, he doesn't know if that's the case, but we've been trying very, very hard to convince people not to have Simon Lethleen come across from skill to be the CEO. And that's been the rumour, Brad, for a while, that it would be Lethleen. But uh, Lethleen did say the other day that he's committed to Sikilda, but... Um, the first, uh, the first rule of um, being a football administrator is to tell lies. So who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see. You'd hope that we announce someone, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. They've got a massive job. I reckon that job for our next CEO is going to be a huge, huge job. Obviously, with the Dingley stuff all going on, and um, you know the other stuff that's been spoken about a lot this season, which seems to, you know, have been swept under the carpet. But, yeah, uh, whoever it is is going to come in and has a massive, massive job ahead of them. So we need to get that uh, person, you know, that person needs to be the right person. We can't afford to hire uh, the wrong person because they need to come in straight away and, you know, start building uh, the club, especially on off-field. Because, as we know, to be a successful club, it's not only on-field, but it's the off-field that you have to get right. So we need to nail that. Uh, selection. So, so I'm trying to think who it is. If it's from another club, it just had to see over another club that commits to come across. I'm not quite sure who that would be because um, it won't be Brian Cook at Carlton. Greg Swan's about to retire from Brisbane. Um, unless Tim Silvers wants from Adelaide, wants to come back home to Hawthorne. You know, he was a Hawthorne CF. He was the number two for to Ned to Justin Rees for a while. Whether Tim Silvers wants to come home. Be happy, not happy in Adelaide, wants to come home, that'd be one possibility. I'm trying to think. It won't be uh, It won't be Craig Kelly. It wouldn't be Craig Bozzo from Essendon. Um, Simon Garlic wants to come back to Victoria. Doubtful. Um, he's committed to Frio. It won't be Hocking from Geelong. Dave Matthews is entrenched um, there. Mark Evans, as I said before, is it Mark Evans is going to do the deal with David Hardwick and then he's going to say that's my parting gift to the Suns and come back to, to run Hawthorne, which uh, his first love. Who knows? Won't be Gary Pert from Melbourne. It won't be Jen Watt at North Melbourne. Um, won't be Brennan Gale, I wouldn't think, from Richmond. He'll be on the AFL. Lethleen, who knows? Tom Harley, he won't be leaving Sydney. Um, uh, my mate, Amit Baines, the Bulldogs. I don't know, maybe they've made someone like a meat bench, which is a very impressive operator. Maybe they've made him a godfather offer that he can't he can't refuse. And uh, given that he lives in Melbourne, he might be tired of schlepping over to the across the Westgate every day. Who knows? We'll find out quite soon. I've got the feeling that we'll get an announcement on that pretty soon. Darren, question or task without notice for you. 
but this is what you're, you're, you're a creative man, so I want you to entertain us for the next little while. It's John Newcomb's birthday today. He turns 22. If you were proposing a toast at his 22nd birthday party, what would you say about it? Oof. At least it's not a merch question, so I'm pretty chuffed about that. But, um, oh, I mean, it's, it's Jai, Jai Nikim is the ultimate story of uh, resilience and, you know, pluckiness. Uh, the boy from Puyong who was overlooked um, and went on to become one of the top, what is he in champion data, top, top, 20 players in the in the league so uh, top, top he's in the top 50 he's in the top 50 so you know and and the fact that he's 22 as well um it just it's just mind-blowing that no no ceiling on jai and um we thought this year was that was the year that maybe you know you were talking about lucky bramble before and and and, and bramble you know, some people just come straight out of the blocks, really, and, and, and grab their chance, and then they get found out in year two. But uh, Jai's second year's uh, been better, um, and he could win the PCM this year. That's how that's how good he's been. Um, and to 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 back up um, to back up that year, just given where he's come from, it's just one of the most extraordinary footy stories. And I don't think. I don't think actually the AFL media has given it enough uh, oxygen and given him enough credit, really, because he wasn't he wasn't he's he's, he's not a story that the AFL loves to tell, and and um, it's it's just it's actually one of the most remarkable um, finds uh, in this day and age where you have scouts at every ground across the country. Yeah, he um, well, he's very remarkable. We just enjoy, we just love watching him play. Do you think, uh, Brad, his handball to kick ratio is about three handballs to one most weeks? Would you like to see him kick the ball more? Or do you think he just the way he uses the ball just it, it doesn't really matter if he uses it so well by hand? He should keep doing. That. Uh, no, I think I actually think he's got a pretty good kick. He's got an underrated, you know, he's got a penetrating kick. He can kick the ball really far. I think he needs to kick more goals. Um, but I agree with Daz. I reckon he's been unbelievable uh, this season. He won't make the All-Australian 40 squad, but um, I think he's played at that uh, level. There was an article um, written, I think, last week or the week before, which you know finally came out saying how good he's been this year. Uh, but um, I'd like, I would like to see him kick him more, but he does have an amazing uh, handball. But the best thing about Jai is his fitness. For someone who obviously came from uh, country footy, uh, he, I would say he's probably one of our fittest players. He seems to get better as games are go on. He often starts quite slowly, but uh, often when the team struggled, he seems to be the one that lifts them, especially in the third quarter and in the fourth quarters of games. So, um, yeah, the fact he's only 22, he's only going to get better. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, he's just been an unbelievable up pick up us. And uh, I agree with that. I reckon he's going to win. I'd have him at the moment uh, just ahead of uh, Will Day and uh, James Sicily uh, for the best and fairest. I reckon he's going to win it this year. I think uh, another important aspect is when you look at the list build and we talk about how many um, first round draft picks you need to be banking and um, not just first round draft picks, like high first round draft picks, how important it is to have that quality. 
he's someone that I put um, in in terms of his output this year, especially close to like an LDU from North Melbourne, um, who's four years older, um, has um, you know the potential to totally become one of the best mids in the game. What was he taking, like pick four or something, in his draft pool? So the, the notion that like we got him for nothing, like where would Jai go? Like he'd almost be a top ten pick based on what he's become if you were putting him back into that draft pool from a few years ago. So I think that's the other aspect of it that's so exciting that we literally have a high top-end talent for nothing. Well, the Freedale Dockers joined our spaces for about 30 seconds. So hello and goodbye to the official uh, ex-account of the female dockers. Okay, the question with notice this week for the four of you was uh, the following. And again, feel free, anyone else who wants to join in, feel free to do so. Is um, Channel 7 on their Twitter feed, or Channel 7 AFL, uh, put a thing specifically directed to Hawthorne supporters, who is on the Mount Rushmore for the Hawthorne Football Club? So in other words, who are the four greatest figures in the history of the club? We had a bit of a chat about it sort of on our uh, internal WhatsApp group, and I'll get you all to sort of list your four people as to who are the four people who the Hawthorne, Mount Rushmore. So starting with you, Weezy. Yeah, well, for me, the first three were very straightforward. I think Kennedy, Matthews, and I have Clarkson as the non-negotiables. Um, and then you could probably mount an argument to raffle the fourth spot. Um, but it would actually be Jason Dunstall for me. So um, they'd be the four that I'd have on the Hawthorne Mount Rushmore uh, monument. Des? Uh, Josh Thurgood. Um, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I leave. Uh, this is so... It's, this is so hard. And for other clubs, it'll be pretty easy. I think in the uh, Suns insiders, they, they would have got this out of the way pretty quick. Well, especially, um, sorry to interrupt, but as surely we have to talk about St Kilda's fan-voted uh, greatest 22 of all time, which is a similar sort of experiment. But um, sorry, Daz, we'll, maybe we'll get to that after. Is Tim Membry Tim starting full forward? Yeah. Uh, no, um, but Callum Wilkie's in the back pocket as the greatest fan voted. <laughs> so the, really? Yeah, and Sinclair's wow. on a halfback flank. So according to fans, they're currently watching two of their greatest back six ever. Oh, God. Unbelievable. Uh, you go back today through the official St Kilda account. So, sorry, I don't mean to have hijacked, uh, hijacked this. but uh, No, you've just, you've just bought me more time. Yeah. Um, well, Milton Hall would be furious. All, that. all yours, Daz. Um, yeah, so Lee Matthews, John Kennedy, uh, Alistair Clarkson, and I'm going to say Dern. Actually, um, I think other other players, you know, Dunstall probably deserves his place up there. It's, it's just hard to argue against that. But 
I don't know, Derm for me just epitomized that eighties era. Um he's just an absolute icon of of of, of our most success, our most successful era. So it's Derm for me. My can I Ash um just say my counter for Dunstall is not just the playing career is what he did post playing and his role obviously in the next golden years off the field. So that that's my counterpoint, but it's an opinions game. Everyone's opinions like you know what, everyone's got one. Uh Brad. Yeah, I was literally, I was gonna say the same as uh Weesey and the same uh reason for our Dunstall. Um and also because I have a soft spot for him. I when I started going to footy uh as a youngster, the memories that stick in uh, my mind was always Dunstall at uh, Waverley Park. Marking the ball 45 out and a 45-degree uh, angle and would not miss. But, um, yeah, those four that uh, Weesey said uh, were my four that I had uh, written down. It's a tough one because, obviously, Derm's the five-time, you know, five-day, five-night legend, uh, cult figure. And, like, we've been so blessed and we're lucky. There's probably, you know, five or six uh, others who could have been up there as well. So, you know, you've got your Tucks, your Crawfords and those types as well. So, um, yeah. The four who uh, Weesey said are my four as well. Well, so I would go. Um, I would go John Kennedy, Lee Matthews, Peter Hudson, and Jason Dunstall. They would be my four um, on the Hawthorne Mount Rushmore. But uh, it's uh, Lee Matthews always likes to tell people, even Hawthorne supporters don't understand how good a player Peter Nice was. So he'd be unlucky. Knights or course. Hudson? No. You've no, got Hudson in. Still, I've got Hudson in. I don't know Peter Knights in, but he's, be, he's awfully unlucky because Lee Matthews likes to tell people that, that Hawthorne people especially and supporters of other clubs don't quite understand what a super player Peter Knights was. Right. So he was, that's to say he would be awfully unlucky. He might be sort of number five or six, but there's some terribly good footballers who don't make it from Hawthorne. Mix just and haven't had the top four. Mix just commented Go asking, uh, "What about Don Scott? Given his role, not just as a player, obviously, and our um, our team of the century ruckman, but his anti-merger role." But he also loses a point for being a destructive <laughs> element in the last fifteen, twenty years. <laughs> so. Oh. Uh, it's close, but it's four. It's, it's, why it's, it's why it's a great conversation to have. It's a, it's, I would, it's what, go on. Sorry, sorry, I'd love to hear a, uh, a completely subjective personal route, Mount Rushmore. From who? From everyone. From everyone. <laughs> Favourite players? Yeah. <laughs> just, just take the, take stats and history out of it and just, just, who 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 have been your four favourite hawks to watch? I think I think we've got a whole summer of uh, spaces where we'll take care of those sort of things. The other thing to think about is the uh, and sort of leads into what we'll talk about, Buddy Franklin, uh, briefly before we look ahead to, to the weekend um, and go through everyone's questions. Is uh, if you took a Hawthorne team of the century as it was picked twenty twenty, most of these teams were out picked at the turn of the century. How many Hawthorne players now would get into that team? That's an exercise we most certainly will do in the off-season. Um, we'll go through the team as it stands, and then we'll go through and work out 
will come back seven days after that, and it was the homework as to who they would. It would have to repick that team. That's a cracking uh, question. Given the... we'll, we'll save that for the off. We'll save that for the off season when uh, we've got those sort of uh, spaces through November, December when we're looking for things to talk about. That'll be beauty. So, but uh, then we'll start thinking about it. Nick, I was just going to say, Ash, the point you made about Peter Knights. If my memory is correct, he missed six games in a season and finished second in the Brownlow. He missed eight games in 76. He busted his collarbone out mm-hmm. the west of that shithole the Western Oval against Footscray. Apologies to any Bulldogs fans listening. He came back and played in the second last game of the season and then missed again the last round of the season. Two up, both for the first two years of the two umpire system. Both umpires gave individual votes, so the winning target was 46 votes or something like that. He lost to Brownlow by three votes. So effectively, today, he'd lose about one and a half votes Have he missed eight games with a broken collarbone in, in 76. The Graham Moss won it. So that tells you how good a footballer he was. Oh, he was, yeah, he was, he was my favourite player. In the up. days when yeah. key position players actually got votes to the Brownlow, unlike now, when it's a, yeah. as we know, it's a... Totally dominated by midfielders. So mm. he was a super, super footballer. And today and he would be a superstar. Yeah, sorry. Rodney Eads shares the same opinion as Lee Matthews. Like he, he rates him as the second best player ever at Hawthorne as well to Matthews. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. right. So, and, and, and you put in Kennedy in for, you know, if you put in Kennedy, maybe you do put Clarkson in because Kennedy you know, is the godfather of the club. Well, Clark's actually coached more premierships. So that's Clarkson getting. If you put in Candy in, there's a strong argument to say, well, you should put Clarkson in because he coached more premierships. But for some reason, you know, for, for, for obvious reasons, Clark, uh, Kennedy has that standing as the godfather of the footy club. You know, it's a fun exercise um, to do. But I think the 10th century one will cause a lot of arguments and a lot of conversation. So we'll park that one for later in the season. Let's look ahead now to Saturday afternoon at the MCG. Hawthorne v. I see there's a Hawthorne v. Collingwood. We'll go through that and we'll, we'll go through some questions quickly at the end. Brad, uh, special dissection will be up sometime tomorrow. Give us an early preview of what you're thinking. Uh, I think there will be a few changes, probably at least three. I've gone in my piece for a, a couple more. I think a couple of the youngsters, uh, Weddell, I mentioned two weeks ago, would get a rest in the next two to three weeks. I think this might be the week. Um, McDonald's another one who seems to have struggled the last couple of weeks uh, Josh Ward had a really poor game as well um, so I think one of the youngsters will get a rest I think Connor Nash looks tired as well um, whether they rest too I don't think so um, Eamon hopefully is a test this week I hope he comes back he'll obviously come in for Lockie Bramble Jack Scrimshaw is the one that I think will come back for uh, Weddle if he gets a rest I think James Blank should stay in the team. I'd be dropping Frost. I can't see it happening. Um, Meek, I think, should hold his spot. But I think Reeves, unfortunately, I think Reeves will come in for Meek. So there will definitely be a few changes. I mentioned before, I think, unfortunately, we're going to cop a heavy, heavy loss on Saturday. I just think Collingwood, after their loss last week to Carlton, are going to come out all guns blazing. Finn McGuinness is the other uh, interesting one. Uh, if... They expect him, you know, he's obviously going to be expected to tag Nick Dacos if he plays. Uh, I think Mick touched on, you know, Saturday was a bit of, or Sunday was a mess on the field and Finn tagged Sinclair in the first quarter, held him to three or four touches, played really, really good, played really well. Then uh, Mitchell released the tag, Sinclair then had 14 in the second quarter and Finn didn't really 
you know, uh, locked down anyone after quarter time. So spent time on uh, Mason Wood, uh, Wanganina, Malira, but not a hard tag. I think if Finn's going to play and if he's going to earn a contract for next year, if he plays, unfortunately, he's limited. He can only tag and play as a heavy tagger. So I'd be keeping him in to tag with Dacos. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens at selection. All right. Um, what are you thinking? We see the Hawks any chance at all. They've actually won 10 in the last 13 against Collingwood. Last year, arguably, only lost because Jack Edmund cheated. So mm. what are you thinking is going to happen on Sunday, on Saturday? Uh, look, I think that, uh, if we can go for them as long as possible, that would be wonderful. But I'm thinking that um, it, it's pretty clear that Collingwood are, if not the best, in the best couple of teams in the competition. And it's obviously clear that we're down the other end of the ladder for a reason. So, you know, you just want to see them put up a bit of a fight and not necessarily uh, lay down when when the going gets tough. But I think that it'll be a tough day out and I can see us, you know, losing by 10 goals plus, to be honest, as much as it hurts to say it. I think we'll get absolutely smashed. Dave? Yeah, look, I had, I had a spoke to a Collingwood friend today. He's a bit nervous about the weekend and thinks we may have a, a chance. But I think Collingwood got their loss out of the way on the weekend and are going to are going to really be ramping up for finals. They're a terrific team, and I think we match up okay against them. And um, it'll be interesting to see the kind of job Finn does on Dacos and and how that sort of hampers them and whether he can cope with 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 a fin tag, but um, yeah, it's it's hard to see how we're gonna how we're gonna win that game, and um, I think we're we, we're in a different mindset to Collingwood at the moment, and I think um, it'll be very very unlikely for us to win this game. Yeah, I think Collingwood about four goals. I think it'll be closer than people think. I don't think Collingwood has a mindset to blow. They don't really blow too many teams away, to be honest. They tend to, and they often leave their run late, and the. They're behind at three-quarter time, so by the time they turn around and win the game, it's usually only about two or three goals. I think Hawthorne have actually sat themselves this one a little bit. Won't win the game, but I think they'll be reasonably competitive. And I'm, I'm thinking it's the sort of game we'll walk away from actually quite excited about the possibilities and thinking, well, there's a bit there and a bit to work with, and they're going all right. So, I don't know. I just kind of, so often Collingwood's blown Hawthorne away in a game of football. I'm just not sure it will happen on Saturday either, but having said, I don't think Hawthorne will win, but I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it's the... Firstly, Collingwood are a great team to watch. They're so much fun to watch, and their supporters up and about. And It's always a good day at the footy against Collingwood, and there's never really been any hatred between Hawthorne and Collingwood. I never really thought of them as a traditional rival, so speaking personally, I don't mind losing to Collingwood as much as half a dozen other teams in the competition. So I think it'll be a really good fun day at the footy. The whole 95, we see your era... You're very excited with the jumper and you, you, you couldn't wait to share that photo today of the <laughs> heroes from the Antet Cup Premiership, your favourite Hawthorne team of all time, back showing off the, the, the retro jumpers. Yeah, it was a great pick. Uh, they obviously had to, to get together. I think it was last night. Um, really good pick. Um, yeah, the, you know, maybe we should check with Daz, who's the merchandise guru and holds that portfolio uh, at Hawks Insiders. Um, but I think we all love that jumper and it'll be great. Uh, the 
the promo stuff that's been done for it and the ads all over the place look fantastic and yeah it'll be exciting to see them run out in it i, w- I will say i actually did get uh one of the retro track suits first piece of box mesh i've bought for myself oh, in a very long know. time so I had a, had a couple leftover vouchers from the from the membership that i that i used on that so i will be wearing that um to can i wear that in the mcc ash is that cool as long as there's a shirt underneath it, you can There'll wear it. There'll be a shirt underneath. <laughs> <laughs> you can wear whatever you like, and we'll have to grace this bar beforehand, and you can show it off, and uh, you look very much. Well, Colgan, they're in the retro. They were retro last week. I don't know what they're going to be doing again this week, but their retro stuff looked pretty good as well. So uh, who knows? It could be the retro day uh, at the footy. Um, let's go to some questions. Dave, our great mate Dave. Boys, the tickets are schmozzle. It's our home game, and my son's got GA, and he's got to pay for entry, and my Dunsell ticket won't get me into general admission. That's why I should put a call to the club that didn't hear anything back. That's why this whole arrangement with Collingwood has got to change. Collingwood, as when you play it, when you're the home team, it's actually simpler to play Collingwood as your away team. When you're the home team against Collingwood, Hawthorne don't use their regular rooms. They're pretty much kicked out of the Ponsford stand, um, which a lot of supporters like using, and Hawthorne actually uses for corporate facilities so that's actually got to change so I'm not quite sure what the resolution is but Melbourne, Collingwood and Hawthorne have all expressed their displeasure about Collingwood uh, and the terms and conditions they have. It has to change uh, Net, uh, Justin Rees was pushing it hard before he finished up, I don't know whether who's taken up the cudgels for the club in the meantime, there's been no announcement, it probably won't be till the off season but it's a totally unsatisfactory state of affairs that for Hawthorne home game people have to their usual entitlements, the usual seats don't apply. So uh, let's hope that gets changed. Phineas asks, is DGB trade bait? Have we seen enough of him long-term? What is his role for us long-term? Uh, we see quickly, what do you think? Uh, I think everyone is, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are potentially tradable if the right uh, deal comes along. I'm still in the camp that oh, obviously he's got a year left of his contract um, and he's still got so much untapped potential that uh, I wouldn't be going out of my way to find a trade for him. Um, yeah, the questions around Liam Ryan, the questions around Brocky going home, DGB going home and pick one, who knows what that's going to turn into, but you'd never say never. Uh, here's one for you, Brad, from Scamasaurus. Do we look to take Jack Silvani from the Blues due to him slipping down the pecking order? He would be a good third forward and our second ruckman. Uh, interesting one. I actually don't mind Jack Silvani. He's a much uh, maligned player at the Blues. Uh, I, I think he'd probably be in our best 22. Uh, he could definitely play that third tall role and a good backup uh, ruckman. Uh, depending on what he would cost, I know Prinzi uh, often talks about this. If you're not offering up you know, high draft capital, which you probably wouldn't, if Carlton aren't going to offer him a new deal, if you can get him for a late third round, early fourth round pick, you'd probably take that, wouldn't you? I think I think he'd go to St Kilda. Yeah, uh, I'll go to his dad. To his dad, Dave. Quick one from you. Firstly, Josh Jacobs, you're frustrated. Sorry, boys. I've, yeah, I'm a bit frustrated with the tickets today. I tell you, it's giving me the shits, to be honest. But um, sorry, the language. But I went to the museum night with the um, with the with the um, 99 team last night. Oh, yeah. Ripping night. 
they were, there was about nine of them there. Um, young Nate, big Nathan Thompson couldn't make it. His son broke his leg on the weekend and he's in a bad way. But it was a great night. They um, explained how the jumper was designed. There was nine of them up there um, who spoke. And um, But, yeah, you're right. It was just great to listen to them talk about that era and things like that. They um, Paul Salmon was class clown for the night and... Um, they never, they, I think about eight of them um, never let Crady forget about the goalie, the point he kicked in the 2001 grand final. But um, yeah, it was a terrific night. And um, that, I'm with, uh, that was a great night. It, it's like everyone says back then, no, oh, it's only a night premiership. But Dermot Burton lives on five day, five night premierships. And these blokes deserved what they got. And that was. And they talk about the whole year and how they, you talk about Weesey's favourite game and the last game against Sydney and that game. It was just a ripping night and a ripping group of blokes who still look like they're fit enough to play. Except for Crody, who looks 15 years older than everybody else, and he was the puppet. That's yeah, that's right. That's right. Where, where Fish looks younger than anyone. Fair He's at a million bucks. Fish, Fish looks amazing and uh, Crody looks like a mess. Anyway, Dave, good to hear from you. Um, Phineas asks, will Scrimshaw beat the Hawks next year? Um, Daz? Oh, I hope so. He's one of my favourites, Jack Scrimshaw. He's a Hawk through and through, and I don't know what has happened this year because I thought he would have would have held his place. I didn't think he was bad enough to be to be dropped, but something's definitely brewing there, and I, I would I would be surprised if he's uh, if he finds a, a third club. Um, and it would break my heart, to be honest, because, yeah, just absolutely love him. Um, one of my favourite favorite current players. Walk has channeled the inner Terry Wallace. If they get rid of Jekka at the end of the year, I'll spew up. He has to be playing ahead of Frost. Well, we might well see a bit of Jekka before the end of the season. Selection will be interesting. I, I, I'm just wondering whether they'll make a statement with um, Frost based on the ill-discipline last week that really cost the team. And drop him from the side, or, or you know, term it as a manage as being managed or something. But uh, I don't think too many supporters would be would be sorry to see Frost Mister Week after his misdemeanour last week. Um, Mick says I was inside the inside the huddle years back when Clarko, who pumped up Josh Thurgood as a potential key player, Thurgood was a good footballer actually, and we were all sort of sort of. Uh, smirk a bit about him, but he just, his problem was he couldn't put any weight on. He actually was a smart footballer. He went in that same draft, I think, as uh, his part of the 2004 draft with uh, Buddy, Ruffy and Lewis, but just couldn't put the weight on. But he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a bad footballer. He had a huge heart um, as well. I mean, that was... He did. Yeah. That was the big <laughs> I feel, thing. I feel, I feel terrible now. Because he was, yeah. yeah, he did have a huge heart. He, he, was, uh, he was really tough as well. I remember that wasn't there like a double sp- page spread on him, comparing him to Dern, or am I imagining that? Oh, there probably was. There was a bit of fun, no, a bit of fun was had with uh, Josh Thurgood in the mid twenties, and poor Barter got cleaned up by Matthew Lloyd one day, who got special di- dispensation to an arm guard that he should never have been allowed to wear. And of course, the person Lloyd did with the special arm guard was going whack. That ended him. Uh, that ended him. And ended. End his career. So that was just the days when Essendon could do whatever the hell they liked, and clubs like Hawthorne just would always get the raw end of the deal. As was uh, that round three game against Essendon in 2005 when they cheated and won. Um, Patrick 
definitely not expected to win, but could be a really fun game to watch this weekend, considering both teams play with pretty fun attacking styles. That's what I think. I think Hawthorne will keep it quite close because they are similar types of uh, teams. Josh, big crowd incoming, can only get level four seats. Great experience for the young kids. It will be a great day. And let's hope, I mean, the forecast is a bit of rain, I think, but if that stays away, they will get 65 to 70,000 because Congress fans just going every week now. And why wouldn't you? And for the Hawks, it's a, it's, you know, it's close to a prime time game. They're probably going to get now for a while. So they'll enjoy it. And I really do think that uh, the coach is going to build it up as a grand final at Hawthorne this week. Um, yeah, so a couple more people talking about fully ticketed event, no general admission. That means it'll be a big crowd. Um, and uh, I think, uh, what have we got? Uh, there's one more here. Can we do anything to get our hands on Gold Coast first pick, which they will look to offload? That is Danny Prinz's wheelhouse. Danny couldn't join us tonight. Danny is our risk management and trade expert. We'll be putting that sort of question to him when he's back with us next week. Um, before we go, it's been said we've neglected to mention that uh, number 23 for Sydney retired. Um, does anybody want to have a quick word about the great Buddy Franklin before we finish up tonight? Um, how do we feel about him? Are we, do we forgive him now? He's not going to play in that Sydney Premiership team. Have you been happy with the way he's been portrayed? I'll start with you, Dad. Has he been trade properly as a Hawthorne and Sydney great in retirement? Dad? Yeah, it's, I've got I've got really mixed feelings about about Bud. I mean, he he finishes the game as clearly one of one of the best to ever do it, and um, I just feel like he left Hawthorne so long ago that those are memories for me, which were some of my favourite ever memories of the football, um, have faded a little bit, a little bit, and I, I don't think he's really stayed that close to the club and. I think one great thing about Sam Mitchell is he has a, a unique way of bringing players from that era back into the fold, obviously has a great relationship with them all. So I really hope that, that Bud comes back to the club in some way. I think his heart is in Sydney, unfortunately. But uh, that his highlight reel is... Uh, a, I, I think it's on the Mount Rushmore of highlight reels. Uh, in fact, it's the top... It's the the top of Mount, that uh, Mount Rushmore for me. It's just um, you know that I'll never forget those those um, Essendon goals. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever see anything like that at the footy again. So uh, sad to see him go. Yeah, it is sad. Um, it was a wonderful career. It gave Hawthorne fans so much enjoyment, um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens now. He, you know, there's going to be a probably an SCG farewell in round 24. There'll be the grand final day uh, of all retired players, uh, which hopefully he'll take part in. And let's see, let's hope that uh, the footy club and Sam Mitchell would probably be the right person to do it. You know, it'd be great for the footy club to say, listen, you were a Hawthorne great and you'll always be loved and we would love the chance to say, we never got a chance to say goodbye. If he was to do the lap of honour at the MCG, um, we see before a game next year, how many extra people will turn up? Uh, I think it would be, depending on the the game that's being played, I think there'd be a lot more people there than you'd expect. And, yeah, I think, you know, just in answer to your original question that you asked, it certainly feels like 
um, from general circles, the retirement had more of a Sydney tinge to it. But the number of Hawthorne stuff that within the Hawthorne community was being put out, um, it was wonderful to reflect. And the stats tell you at the end of the day that he played a very similar number of games and, and the big defining stats were that he kicked 100 more goals at Hawthorne and he won the two flags. So, you know, he'll clearly have long-lasting legacies from both clubs but but Hawthorne's where he did his best work and, and then the reflection of him as an individual, oh, I can only probably remember one other footballer make me feel the way I felt watching him and, and that was probably growing up was Wayne Carey, watching him going like what this guy can do on a football field is just un, unparalleled. Like, absolutely incredible for someone that big to be able to do what they do, and he took it to another level. So, you know, so many moments, all of the goals that we're watching, all of the that you just wouldn't cheer. I remember just, like, sitting in your seat, just shaking your head, wondering, like, did that actually just happen? Just an incredible footballer. And I think now... Yeah, like we start to remember him for the Hawthorne genius that he was as part of what is a wonderful career. Yeah, well, uh, it was a we tip our we tip our caps to him. He was a wonderful player, um, and I think as time goes on, he remembered as uh, one of those people who'll be celebrated by two clubs. He belongs to Hawthorne. He belongs to Sydney, and um, I'm sure at some stage he will be back doing something at the footy club, it'll be a wonderful occasion. And um, I'll, I'll be sure that uh, he and Sam Mitchell will... Uh, Sam will do something to bring him back to the footy club, to present a jumper, to speak to the players, whatever it is. That'll happen in the not too distant future and it'll be a wonderful thing. And one more point on Bud. There's no, there's no reunions for him to go back to at Sydney. So he's actually got no reason to go Bang. back. Whoa. He's moving to the Gold Coast as well. So I don't know how much time I spent in Sydney, but... Um, as I said, at some stage he'll make an appearance around Hawthorne. It'll be a, it'll be a great day, and I think for a lot of supporters, a meaningful day. That's been the spaces for this week. Thank you, everybody, for taking part. As always, thanks for your support of Hawthorne Insiders. Um, five bucks a month, fifty dollars, fifty dollars a year for really great Hawthorne content. Big day of the footy. We're looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible at the MCG for the second last home game of the year, and probably the last really big game the Hawks will play for 2023. We'll have a podcast, our Racist podcast, uh, sometime within 24 hours of that game, plus our recap article as well. So enjoy the rest of the weekend, or the rest of the week. Enjoy the footy in the weekend. Uh, Weezy, any more housekeeping before we finish up? No, covered it beautifully. Thanks, Ash. All right. Brad, thank you as always. Thanks all. Go Hawks. Daz, well done, as always. Thanks, Ash. Yeah, I, I realised that I didn't really give Jai an actual toast. I just <laughs> spoke about him, but uh, sorry for, for ruining everybody, that moment for you. As we hang up now, everybody go have a quiet drink and celebrate uh, John Newton's birthday. It is well-deserved. He is well he is, he's on track to go with Hawthorne. Great. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening and good night.
Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.